Welcome to the Landmark Podcast. I'm Jason Calhoun, pastor of Landmark Pentecostal Church in Texarkana, Texas. We encourage you to visit us on the web at landmarkupc.net for a schedule of services and upcoming events. We pray that you are blessed by the message today. Thank you again for listening. First Samuel chapter number 3. And th- these are some verses that's been on my heart throughout this week. And I know it's a familiar story and passage to the majority of us. But nevertheless, I feel like, like the Lord wants to speak to us from it. And I want to read down through verse 11. I want to be uh, people that are hungry for and receptive to the Word of God. As I look around, sometimes I see the shallowness of, um, and I'm not making light, I'm certainly not throwing off on anybody, but I see the shallowness sometimes of the lack of preaching of the Word of God, and it concerns me. This is the only thing I know of in this world that is forever settled. This is the only thing that is sure and steadfast. And uh, this is one thing that you can certainly build your life upon. And I don't want just to be uh, caught up in the emotions of it and not really have an experience that is based in Scripture. I think everything that we are can be defined in Scripture and should be defined in Scripture. Our apostolic worship, it's not just emotionalism. It's defined for us in Scripture. What we do as far as uh, prayer and a lot of other practices that we have, being here tonight, all of that can be founded upon the Word of God. And the Word of God has an answer for us for everything that we face and everything that we need of God, majority of the time, and I know that's not the only way that God chooses to speak to us, but it is the primary way that God chooses to speak to us. That's why we encourage Bible reading. That's why we, uh, we, we encourage you to get into the Word of God for yourself. Not just let your only relationship to the Bible be what you hear preached here three times a week. But let it, let it be something that you visit every day. Let's look into the Word of the Lord tonight. First Samuel chapter 3 verse 1. And the child Samuel ministered unto the Lord before Eli, and the word of the Lord was precious in those days. There was no open vision, and it came to pass at that time when Eli was laid down in his place, his eyes began to wax dim that he could not see. And here the lamp of God went out in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was. And Samuel was laid down to sleep. That the Lord called Samuel, and he answered, Here am I. And he ran unto Eli and said, Here am I, for thou callest me. And he said, I called not. Lie down again. And he went and lay down. And the Lord called yet again, Samuel. And Samuel arose and went to Eli and said, Here am I, for thou didst call me. And he answered, I called not, my son, lie down again. 
Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, neither was the word of the Lord yet revealed unto him. And the Lord called Samuel again the third time. And he arose and went to Eli and said, Here am I, for thou didst call me. And Eli perceived that the Lord had called the child. Therefore Eli said unto Samuel, Go, lie down, and it shall be if he call thee, thou shalt say, Speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth. So Samuel went and lay down in his place, and the Lord came and stood and called as at other times. Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel answered, Speak, for thy servant heareth. And the Lord said to Samuel, Behold, I will do a thing in Israel, at which both the ears of every one that heareth, it shall tingle. I don't know about you, but this stirs emotion in my heart when I read this story, no matter how many times that I have read it or heard it read, it still moves me. And I want to direct your attention and focus back to verse 9. And I want you to notice the admonishment of Eli to Samuel. And this was exactly what he followed, the instructions that Eli gave him. Therefore Eli said unto Samuel, Go lie down, and it shall be, if he call thee, that thou shalt say, and I want you to look at this next few words, and this is going to be my subject tonight. Speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth. Speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth. Does anybody want the Lord? Is anybody hungry for God to speak to them as I am? Does anybody feel like I do? You want the Lord to speak to you specifically. There's things that you need Him to speak to you about. Direction that you would like to receive from God. Help. Clarity. Whatever it is, I believe God is interested. I believe God's still speaking to men and women. I believe God still speaks in the 21st century. It hadn't died out with time. But just like He spoke to the child Samuel... He'll speak to you and I in this place. Speak, Lord. Thy servant heareth. Would you lift up your voice and let's pray together again right now that the Lord would have his way, that he would speak to us in the remainder of this service. Would you pray with me, Lord Jesus? I'm asking you to speak to us tonight and help us through your word. Encourage us, God, and move upon us. Strengthen us, Lord, and direct us and do a work through us. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Praise the Lord. Clap your hands to him again. Thank you, Jesus. Could I be so bold as to speak what I feel, and that is that I believe God is going to help somebody tonight. I believe God is going, somebody's going to leave with a clear voice uh, of the Lord cutting through whatever confusion, whatever 
thing that that has kept you from being able to receive and hear what you want to hear from God, you're going to hear it tonight if you'll open up your spirit to the Word of God. You may be seated. I think for you to fully grasp and really ascertain and get a hold of this particular passage and why this story is so significant, I think it's important that you realize the times that this story occurred in. And uh, this whole event with the Lord speaking to Samuel, I think you need to understand what had been happening and taking place with the people of God leading up to this period. As you read preceding chapters and verses, you'll find that Eli, who was a judge and a man of God over Israel as well as a prophet of God. This man, Eli, who was ordained and in service before the Lord in the house of God, that uh, his sons, as he began to grow old, did not share the same burden and conscientiousness, the same walk with God, the same intensity that he had once had as a young man. And somewhere along the way, I don't know if this began to wear upon him. I don't know what caused this. I'm certainly not pointing any fingers. I don't know. It's not shared with us. But not only was this something that was affecting Eli's sons, but it was also affecting Eli himself. As the Bible says that he began to lose his physical vision. And the word of the Lord was precious in those days. Now to understand that, you have to understand that something precious is uh, in short supply. It's a commodity that is not plenteous. And uh, when it says that it's precious, the word of the Lord, it meant that it was very sporadic. And uh, it was not something that was happening often, as perhaps it had happened before, that the Lord would speak through the man of God. Maybe there was a day that Eli was used mightily of the Lord and would speak as an oracle of God. And God would, would reveal things to him. And he would stand up and he would speak as the Lord had spoken to him. But those days now are few and far between. And there is no open vision. Not only is physical vision now failing, Eli, uh, but also there is a lack uh, of spiritual vision. And there's a lot of things about uh, the spiritual a condition of Israel that we can see through the life of, of Eli in this story. Uh, several things that we could bring out about his physical condition and his lack of preceptivity and what is going on and his lack of ability to realize that God is still wanting to speak to his people, but yet he doesn't have the appetite for the things of God that he once did. Yet it's very apparent that he still maintained a physical appetite. And there's a lot that could be said about that. His appetite had turned from the things of God to the things of the world. 
And that is clearly displayed in this text and text that will follow. And because his vision is impaired, there's a metaphor that is given here of something that is far worse. And that is that the ear or ear the lamp of God had went out in the house of God. And then it's specific where that lamp went out, where the ark of God was housed, where the ark of God was. And so no longer is there light in the house of God. And that's typical of, of many things. And we could preach many points about that here tonight. And we could teach and give you some, some insight as to what all of this means. But suffice it to say that God has moved upon a barren woman. And she, because of a promise that she had made to God that if he would open up her womb, that she would dedicate her son to the Lord. She would bring him at the age that he uh, would grow into maturity, the age of about 12 years old. She would bring him to the house of God, and she would give him or return him to the Lord. And uh, when he was just a child of 12, she brings him and gives him to Eli. And uh, Eli uses this young man as a servant. Uh, he becomes more or less an errand boy for him. But it's there that Samuel quickly realizes that things are not as they should be. He doesn't know everything. He doesn't understand everything. But he, he's got enough receptivity and heart for God to know that this isn't the church that it should be. Things are not occurring as they should be. Something is off. Something is wrong. And uh, this, this young man, God, is going to raise up eventually. But it begins here in this text. As he lays down to sleep at night. And the Lord begins to call his name. And it's no coincidence that he felt like that his name was being called by Eli because... Uh, uh, you know what? When the man of God speaks, when, when a man that's been anointed of God speaks, it's going to sound a lot like us, uh, like, like the voice of the Lord to us. And uh, so it was with, with Samuel. He had a hard time distinguishing the two. And he feels as though it is the voice of Eli that has startled him awake. And he walks into Eli's room where he is also resting. And said, sir, did you call me? And Eli said, I didn't call you. Go back and lie down. And he goes back and, and after a, a space of time falls back asleep. And uh, while in his sleep, the Lord speaks to him again, Samuel, Samuel. And he started awake again and gets up and, and he's almost certain now that, that uh, somebody is calling my name. Somebody in this room has called upon me. And he goes back to Eli. Did you call me? And he says, no, sir, I, I didn't call you, son. Go back and lie down again. Uh, maybe, maybe you're just hearing voices. Maybe, maybe you're just having, uh, some type of dream or nightmare. Go back and lie down again. And he goes the third time and lays down in the voice of the Lord speaks to him. 
And Eli realizing there's something to this. Eli realizing that this is something that used to happen to me. This is something that I once was familiar with. This is a voice that I used to hear. And he says, when you go back, he said, when you go back this time, and if you hear that voice, I want you to say, son, I want you to say, speak, Lord, thy servant heareth. Speak, Lord, thy servant heareth. And uh, when I think about uh, the fragility of this experience, when I think about how this could have been so easily dismissed, I shudder. I realize that the voice of the Lord could have been put off and they could have dismissed it and and uh, Eli even could have discouraged Samuel from pursuing any more or opening up his heart any further and dismissed it as you're just hearing things. But finally it got through, even if this man was not in the best spiritual condition, was able to realize, hey, this is the voice of God that is speaking to this young man. And how fragile it is for you and I when the Lord speaks and when God moves that we at that moment be able to discern that in fact it is the voice of God. That it is God trying to give us a message. That God is trying to speak to us at that moment. I, I fear sometimes that if we're not careful, we can miss the voice of the Lord speaking to us. I fear sometimes if we're not really sensitive, that we'll be dismissive of times when God is trying to speak to us. Either in a hurry, either in uh, our distractions, uh, uh, perhaps uh, things going on that weigh heavy on our minds and we do not hear the voice of the Lord, or perhaps it's been so long since we've heard the voice of the Lord that we, like Eli, uh, at first don't recognize it. I think it's so imperative. Uh, in fact, I want to underscore how important it is tonight. I wish I could highlight in your mind just how important it is that you be able to hear the voice of the Lord when he speaks to you. That you have a heart that is open, an ear that is not heavy, that cannot hear. But you be able to hear what the Spirit is saying. What the voice of God is trying to break through to you and to show and reveal to you it is important for your spiritual condition. It is important for your walk with God. It's impossible for us to be able to draw closer and to reach the potential and do what God wants us to do if we're unable to hear the voice of God. If we don't have ears that can hear what the Spirit is saying, if we're not sensitive to what He is speaking, we'll miss it. And with missing His voice, we'll miss the opportunities that He wants to present to us. We'll miss 
opportunities and potential that God has laid in store for us as his people. So it's important on this Sunday night that we be able, God, if you're speaking, I want to hear your voice. If you're calling my name, here I am. Speak to me. I want you to know that I'm available. I'm not uh, too busy. I don't want to be distracted, but I want you to speak to me clearly because I need direction for my life. I need you to speak to me concerning where I'm at and what I need to be doing because I realize I can't make it on my own. I can't depend upon myself. I cannot rely upon my flesh, but I need the voice, the Spirit of God to speak to me. Come on, clap your hands and let's give him praise. So I want to talk to you from this story tonight about some things relative to the voice of God. We learn from this story and those things that lead up to it that the voice of God should be anticipated. Let me say that again. The voice of God should be anticipated. If anybody should anticipate the voice of God, it should be apostolics. Come on, because we still believe in the moving of the Spirit. We believe in the flow and the moving and the currents of the Holy Ghost. And we believe in anointed preaching. And we believe in the voice of God speaking to us through the gifts of the Spirit. And there's a myriad of ways that God chooses to speak to us. But suffice it to say, apostolics should be people that anticipate with every church service. I'm going to tell you, every time you come to the house of God, and not just, it's not relegated just to the house of God. It's not relegated just to church services, but it should be uh, in every church service uh, that we anticipate God speaking to us. We anticipate hearing something from God. I hope you didn't just come tonight to, to hear a story and a few things from the Word of God and a few points from God's Bible and to go home. But I hope that you come tuning your ear to hear something deeper than that, something more important to your spirit than that. And that is that I've got to hear the voice of the Lord. Amen. i got to hear something that is relevant to me where I'm at today. I've got to hear something that'll help me through my problems. I've got to, I've got to hear something from God that'll help me with my family. I've got to hear something from God that'll help me with the challenges that are on my job. I've got to hear something from God today that would give me direction for my life. I don't know what tomorrow holds, but I don't want to be caught off guard. So if I can hear the voice of the Lord tonight, then God will prepare me for tomorrow. How many knows that's how the Spirit of the Lord works? How many understands that God's not, never caught off guard? God doesn't ever throw up his hand and say, I didn't expect that. That, that. that totally caught me by surprise. God is never surprised. He's omniscient. He knows. The Bible tells us that he's aware of. He knows what's going to happen. He's got a plan for your life. And so if I could tune my ear to the voice of God, then I don't have to be surprised by Satan's attack. 
I don't have to be caught off guard all the time. You don't have to wake up to, in the morning and say, my God, I didn't expect that. But if you're attuned to what God is doing, and if you'll allow God to speak to you, he'll prepare you. Maybe there's something on your tomorrow that you're not even right now prepared for, but God has designed this service, and God wants to speak to you in this place and make you aware of some things and help you to realize some things and drop some things into your spirit so that when that arises, you won't be shocked. You won't be surprised. It won't knock you off spiritual balance, but you'll know that that service, that voice of God spoke to me that night and prepared me for this moment. That's why it's important that you be in church. That's why it's important that you be faithful to the house of God. Because that's God's method. That's God's way. That's how God instituted this thing. That's how God wants to speak to you to prepare you. Amen. Notice, notice just one little key thing in this passage. He said, speak, Lord, thy servant heareth. Is not... I will hear right now, presently, and never need to hear again. The voice of the Lord is continually speaking. And so I have to continually be cognizant of that and sensitive to that and have an awareness of that so that I can hear what he's continuing to say. Somebody said, well, I heard what he said a month ago. That was a month ago. We're here and now, and the way this world is changing and things are evolving and evil is, 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 is evolving in our world at a rapid pace. I think it's important that we be able to hear what the Spirit is saying presently and not just live on some past experience, uh, some, some word that we received uh, somewhere weeks ago, but realize, uh, I thank you for what you've done. It's brought me to this this point, but I believe that you're wanting to speak to me right now about something relevant to my life at this moment, and so God help me not to be carnal so that I can't hear, but help me to be open so I can receive what the voice of the Lord is speaking to me. Oh, praise the Lord, somebody. Hallelujah. I need to anticipate it. I need to, to come to church anticipating that God is going to speak. Oh, expecting that God is going to speak. I was reading in the book of Numbers, chapter number 7, and this, of course, is a very long chapter. It's 89 chapters long, or verses rather long. It's a rather long chapter, 89 verses. And you've got to understand that this came at a time when... Israel had only recently disappointed God, but God directs Moses to build a tabernacle, a place that he would meet with his people. And uh, this tabernacle would be with them in their wilderness travels. And uh, this would always be symbolic of the presence of God because of the ark of the covenant that they would construct that would dwell in it. And uh, uh, Moses follows all the intricate directions. And if you read through some of these uh, verses and chapters here, preceding uh, chapter number 7, you'll find 
that the details of the tabernacle are very exact. Uh, there's, there's, there's things that had to be followed to the T. Certain measurements, certain materials that had to be used. Things had to be overlaid with certain things. And all of this is symbolic. And all of this parallels with things that are to come and reveals to us greater revelation and eventually takes us to a revelation of Jesus Christ and his relationship that we enjoy with him today can be mirrored and seen all the way back in the Old Testament. But God spoke to this man Moses and he followed these directions and constructed this tabernacle down to the most intricate details. And then the Lord called him up, called him up and invited him to be the first one to enter in and to stand in the presence of the Lord. And I want you to note this in verse 89. It says, And when Moses was gone into the tabernacle of the congregation to speak with him, talking about speaking with God, Then he heard the voice of one speaking unto him from all the mercy seat that was upon the ark of testimony, the ark of the covenant, from between the two cherubs, and he spake unto him. Now I want you to notice the sequence here. First of all, the invitation was given, and Moses goes up, and he speaks to the Lord. And then the Lord speaks to him. I want you to get that. Before you can expect God to speak to you, I want to ask you how much you've been speaking to him. In other words, how much have you been praying and seeking him? Some of us want and expect God to speak to us. I want, I want God to use a message tonight to speak to me. But have you been praying and preparing your heart for what God wants to say? Because that's how you tune your ears to be able to hear what the Spirit is saying. In other words, if you're not praying, God can't get through. God can't speak to you. His voice you'll not be able to hear or receive. And His instructions you'll be unable to follow if you're not able to, to talk to God and Prepare your heart. And it's, it is so important that we have a prayer life. If we expect God to be able to speak to us, our heart must be prepared through prayer and through supplication and saying, God, I want you to rid me of every distraction. If there be any weights, if there's any sin in my heart, if there's any wrong motives in my spirit, I want you to remove that. Forgive me, cleanse me, wash me. In your blood, because there's things I must receive from you that I can receive from no one else or nowhere else. I've got to hear from heaven. I need your voice. I need your hand of influence. And the only way I can receive that is to be prayerful. Now I realize a lot of talk about prayer, but I wonder how much practicing a prayer that we actually do sometimes. There's a lot of preaching about prayer, but I wonder how much practicing a prayer that we do sometimes. Amen. And it's been a deep concern of mine. Can I just, can I just preach to you as a pastor here tonight? Can I just deliver my heart to you tonight? Prayer is something that helps us to be able to receive the Word of God. 
It's impossible to preach to people that are not praying and for them to receive it. Because there's things that's got to be preached. You understand? There's things that's got to be taught across this pulpit that is going to go against the grain of your carnal flesh. It's not going to be easy for you to receive it. It's going to be challenging for you to receive it. Oh, you cannot receive the meat of God's word if, if you're, you're not preparing yourself. If you're not preparing yourself daily through prayer, you cannot mature to receive the strength that you need from the Word of God that will feed your spirit and make you stronger if you've not been praying and getting a hold of God. Why some people have that spirit that rises up in them to resist the preaching of the Word of God is because they've not been praying. Because praying is denial of this flesh. Oh, praying is killing out this carnality that all of us have and is allowed to live in prayerlessness. There's some atmosphere, there's some things that, that thrive in certain atmospheres, in certain environments. Can I tell you, carnality thrives in an atmosphere of prayerlessness. Sin begins to grow in an atmosphere of prayerlessness. There is no power where there's people that refuse to pray. It's time we not just give lip service to prayer, folks. It's time we get down on our prayer bones and we pray until we pray through. We pray until we touch God. We pray until our ears are open to hear the word of the Lord that is endeavoring to speak to us. Come on, I'm going to drive this home. I feel it in my spirit tonight because... I know what it is to feel that, that spirit of resistance rise up when, when heart sayings, when, when heart sayings come from the Word of God, when God is admonishing us, uh, through the Spirit and, 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 and challenging us to step it up in certain areas, step it up in our consecration, step it up in our commitment, step it up and mature and grow in our walk with God as we should. I don't want to be stagnant. To be stagnant is to be unfruitful. To be stagnant means that I'm not blessed. To be stagnant, uh, and it means to be sterile and, and unfruitful in my relationship with God. I want and desire the blessings of the Lord. And if that means that I need to adjust some things, I want to be willing to adjust those things. If that means that i got to take up a cross, I know flesh, you don't like it, but you need to take up that cross. Amen. If that means that i got to die out to some things, my will, and say, God, not not this and not what I want, but what you want for my life, then if that's necessary, I want to do it. It's so easy for folks to get distracted. When they're not prayerful. So easy for the world to be an allurement to us when we're not prayerful. When we're not allowing this flesh and its will to be, and I don't know any other word to use, but to be weakened because we need the Spirit to thrive. We need the Spirit of the Lord to be strong in us. And we're, we're dealing with two conflicting things here that are warring against one another. And Paul articulated this in the book of Romans and told us as long as this flesh 
and its carnality and uh, its will is allowed to live and allowed to thrive. The spirit can't thrive and the work of God cannot be done through us. But it's when we submit our will to him and we, we come under the mighty hand of God that God is able to bring favor and blessing and able to bring and breathe into us fresh life. Oh, does anybody know what I'm talking about when the Spirit of the Lord breathes upon a person and you feel that that touch of God and it reinvigorates you and you feel the strength of God. Amen. We, we've been feeling that around here of late. The strength of God comes. Suddenly things that, that seem so formidable and seem so impossible and seems like such a big deal to us. Isn't it amazing that you can leave a church service or a prayer meeting or a time when you've been visited by the Lord and you feel like that's not such a big deal after all. That was just what was in my mind. That is something that I allowed myself to build up. Oh, but it's really not that big of a deal because God is able to handle it. God is able to work it out. I'll tell you how that happens when there's less of me and more of him through prayer and through talking to God, through seeking God, through calling on his name. It's through that prayer, killing this old flesh crucifying. Paul said, I'm crucified with Christ, yet I live. What a paradox. No, not really. What he's saying is there's a part of me, my will, my desire, my old carnality, my old man that I have to keep at the altar, that I have to continually crucify because it's got a way of creeping up again. Oh, anybody know what I'm talking about? Anybody willing to admit that you know what I'm talking about? That old man that tries to rise up in us. That old flesh that tries to take control again over us. That old nature that tries to, tries to weasel its way back in and say, oh yeah, oh you know. This is what you've always done. This is the way you've always been. No, I'm going to greater conquest in God. I'm going to greater places in the Lord. I'm not going to fall back down to that same rung on the ladder, but I'm going to keep climbing to higher. I'm going to keep on experiencing deeper. I'm going to keep on seeing greater because I want God to use me. I want God to work in me. I want to see revival and a move of God. All of us, all of us, we have to have personal revival through prayer. We expect God to move on the center. We got to be able to be moved. We got to be stirred by preaching. We got to get into the worship. We got to be stirred. There's, there's times your flesh will say, no, not tonight. This is not the night. I don't feel it tonight. It doesn't matter what you feel. You don't respond to what you feel. You don't go according to how you feel. You go in faith sometimes. You respond in faith sometimes. You worship and you, you give of yourself in faith sometimes. If you're really going to be a child of God, you have to learn that principle that it's not just in feeling. And I'm thankful for a God that can be felt. I'm thankful for a God that can be experienced. I'm thankful for a God that when we come in here, we, we can feel that fresh 
breeze, or if you will, and wind of the Holy Ghost upon us. And we're refreshed by that. But there are times it seems like God steps back and tests us a little bit and says, okay, I want to see if you love me just because of the feeling you get or do you love me enough to worship me with no feeling? There's been times I can say and I can admit in my own prayer life that I have went days, yea, weeks, I would even say months without feeling God like I would want to or desire to. To the point that there was great concern. What's going on? And it was as if God was allowing me to go through that period. And it wasn't that he wasn't there. But it was like he was saying, I want to know. I want to know if you're following me out of feeling or out of faith. If you're walking with me just because you get a little, uh, you get a little good feeling on Sunday night and you get a little worship experience uh, and that's the only thing that's carrying you through, I want to know if things, uh, if things are not felt, uh, will you still serve me? I want to know if, if I am not speaking to you like you desire me to, will you still serve me? If I'm not answering you immediately, will you still serve me? Will you still come to the prayer meeting? Will Will you still come to the church service? Will you still go to the prayer closet? Will you still cry out to God? Will you still lift your hands and say, God, you're worthy regardless. You're worthy regardless of how I feel right now. You're worthy of my praise. Come on, somebody throw your hands. You don't need a feeling to throw your hands in the air. You don't have to have a voice audibly speaking to you to throw your hands in the air right now. You know God is speaking to you tonight through his word. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Not only is the voice of the Lord to be anticipated, not only is it important that every time we join together, especially when we convene as a church, that we anticipate the voice of the Lord speaking to us. But the voice of the Lord is to be obeyed. It's to be obeyed. And you know, sometimes God speaks to us things that we don't want to hear. Oh, yeah. God used David in so many extraordinary ways he carries the moniker of being a man after God's own heart no doubt with that comes a confidence that God's hands on me I mean I've slain giants I'm whipping Philistines hip and thigh I mean there's an enemy that comes against me that God doesn't help me to conquer I mean God's with me I want to build God a house. What a noble desire it is that, that he would build a house unto the Lord. You still with me tonight? I mean, this is something that he is asking for approval that seems to him to be a no-brainer. Logically, it just makes sense. And so he goes to Nathan the prophet, his man of God, and said, I just want to pass this by you. And of course, even Nathan just from the standpoint of logic, answers in the affirmative and says, of course, that sounds like a great plan. I think God would be pleased with that. 
But it is along that when Nathan gets along with God, that God speaks to him and said, I want you to go back and correct that. You misspoke. You go tell David that he's not going to build my temple. And so this prophet has to go back to the king and he has to speak to him and say, you know what? I got out ahead of myself. I, I wasn't really sensitive to what the Lord would want and how the Lord felt about this. And I'm just telling you that God said, no, David. And I don't find where David pitched a fit. I don't find where, where David said, do you know who I am? I'm the giant slayer. I'm the king of Israel. I, I'm the big dog. I've got position. God has favored me. There's a lot of people been saying that I'm a man after God's own heart. Uh, I've written psalms, uh, amen, that Israel sings uh, and, and rejoices and praises God with. Matter of fact, I'm the one that they've been singing about in the streets that Saul has killed his thousands and David his tens of thousands. Do you know who I am? You, you don't have any business rebuking me. You don't have any business telling me that I'm wrong. No, it wasn't that attitude at all that David had. He said, whatever God desires, I'll correct course. I'll be obedient to it. It isn't necessarily what I want, but if God puts up a stop sign, I want to be willing to stop. I don't want to overstep my boundaries in God because I want his blessing upon my life. And that's key right there, is being willing to pause and say, God, if you're not in it, I'm not going to get out here by myself. I'm not just going to do it out of my self-will. But I want you, Lord, to be able to speak to me and to keep me out of dangerous places. I want you to be able to speak to me and order my steps because there's safety in being able to hear the voice of God. And not only hear it, but be willing to obey it. When the Lord speaks to you. If God deals with you about something, are you willing to obey that voice? If God pinpoints certain things in your life, are you willing to make course adjustment and say, God, I realize you're convicting me about that. I realize that you're dealing with me about that. I realize I gotta lay that aside. I gotta put that down. I gotta stop doing that. I can't continue with that same attitude. I can't continue with that same spirit. I, I can't be saved with that, with that in my life. You're, you're trying to help me. I'm going to tell you, when, when preaching comes to you and it's direct and it's precise, don't ever think. Oh, I don't think that anybody would necessarily around here. But I'm going to tell you, most preachers uh, that get up here and preach, uh, they don't have time to think about every little situation in a congregation and, uh, and to speak directly to that situation and try to pastor or to preach uh, in that way and to be pointed with every little thing they say. Do they have an ulterior motive? You just have to trust. Amen. You have to trust that it's the anointing of God and the Spirit of God that is speaking through that man. And if you can't trust that, and if you can't open your heart to that, I'm doubtful that you can be saved. But if you can keep your ear open to the preaching of the Word of God and say, God, I want you to speak to me. If it challenges me, I'm willing to make some adjustments. If it's a no, then I'm willing to stop. If it's a yes, then I'm willing to go. But whatever you're trying to say to me, God, I want to be able to hear it. I can't tell you the multiple times that I have received words from God, from men of God, 
particularly a man of God in my life. You know, Pastor Green is, uh, well, he's soon be 89 years old. And uh, he texted me this afternoon. And uh, recently I was asked to, to speak over at this at the Texas camp meeting. And, and I guess he was listening. I didn't realize that he was. I didn't see him there. And... You know, there's a lot of people who can say a lot of things, and I'm thankful for it, and I appreciate it, but there's something about when he gives his approval that means something to me. Not that I'm trying just to please him, but I know that's God's man that he's assigned over me, and that's the way it'll be until the day he dies. And... God is able to speak through him and has been able to. And there's been times that I'll just be honest with you. He raked me over the coals. You ever been raked over the coals? I don't know where that saying come from, but it don't feel good. It doesn't sound very good. But I have literally been raked over the coals. And you haven't been raked over the coals until you've been raked over the coals by Jerry Green. He can do it. Matter of fact, he, he can do it so thoroughly. You know that you've been cooked. He don't leave any room or any area there for you to second guess, or maybe that's what he meant. Maybe that's not what he meant. You don't have to worry about that. He's just so clear about things. And I never got the feeling that he was worried about what I thought about. I never once got the feeling that he was too concerned whether or not I, I liked it at the time. But he was doing it with tears in, in many cases. Now, I don't want to sound like he's done it a whole, whole lot, but it has happened. And I'm thankful that it's happened, and I'm better for it. I remember I pastored this church. I invited somebody here to speak. Don't try to guess who it is. I've been 20 years as preachers around here, and, uh, and we've had a lot of them. So don't try to guess who it is. But he didn't approve. And uh, so I got a phone call. And, uh, and then the next time I see him, he still wasn't finished. You ever had one of them sermons that had a part A and a part B? And I got part B when I seen him in person. Part B, I think, was worse than part A. And he was just telling me, just, just that look he gave me. is like, what are you thinking? And I said, man, it won't happen again. I promise you that. Because maybe you're seeing something. And I'll be honest with you, at the time, I couldn't see it. At the time, I wasn't aware of it. But he was aware of some things. And it played out exactly like he said. I'm going to tell you something. Don't chafe against the preaching of the Word of God. Keep your heart open 
to the Word of God. Because there's sometimes that God speaks through a man and allows that man through vision, spiritual vision, to see things that you cannot see. You can be blinded because of emotion. You can be blinded because of your like for a person or, or your concern or, or maybe even you're, you're a bleeding heart in some way and you say, well, you know, it's not that bad. I mean, I want to help them. I want to, you know, and that was kind of the case in this situation. I want to try to help them. I want to try to be compassionate. But I'm going to tell you, there's some things you can't play footsies with. There's some things that you might be able to help them on a personal level, but but bringing them into this congregation, in this particular instance, bringing them into this congregation, I don't want to dispense a spirit in this place that is that is going to be detrimental to the people of God. I have a big responsibility. I said I got a huge responsibility. But I told you that illustration to let you know that I'm not just preaching something that I want you to hear, but I have had to live. And I think that's important that you realize that. You're talking to a pastor that has a pastor. Amen. I said you're looking at a pastor that has a pastor. And I'll need a pastor or a man of God in my life just as you will. And God God has given us all men of God to speak to us and to help us to be saved. It's by the foolishness of preaching. That's the method that God has chosen to save them that believe. Amen. Sometimes it goes down sideways, but it has to be obeyed. And it's not until you're willing to obey it that you can sometimes see the blessing of it. Wouldn't it be nice that God just shows you how it's all going to turn out on this side, and then it'd be easy. But that isn't how it works sometimes. Sometimes it works just the opposite. God doesn't show you anything about that. And you just have to trust, and you have to obey, even when you don't see necessarily. You know, Saul, there was a lot of things that Saul did that we attribute to his downfall. But the Lord only pointed to really one thing. He said, I have rejected Saul because he has rejected my word. There's a lot of things that Saul didn't do right, but the main thing that stood out to God. And the only way, there's a lot of things he could have done wrong that he could have corrected, he could have rebounded from. But as long as he rejected the word of God, there was no hope for him. And I'm going to tell you, there's a lot of things that you may make mistakes in. And, and, and there, there's need of mercy and there's need of the grace of God to help us and enable us to get back up again. But as long as you can receive the word of God, you can be spared. You can be saved. As long as you can come in and say, preacher, I'm hungry. Preach to me. I want you to speak, Lord, your servant heareth. Come on, is there anybody that feels that way? That's your prayer. God, speak to me, your servant heareth. Notice the humility in just that statement. Thy servant heareth. God, I want to remain a servant because you're, as remaining a servant, I'm able to hear what the Spirit is saying. He, He rejected. You know, He heard what the prophet said. But there's a difference in hearing and at hearing. You follow me? 
There's a difference in hearing and at hearing or being obedient to. To adhere means to bind oneself to observance. As hard as it is, this is what I'm going to do. I've received in my life from men of God advice and things that's been spoken in my life. It was tough at times. But I adhere to it. And I believe that I'm here today because of a willingness to adhere I didn't have to understand it to adhere to it. I didn't have to have it all figured out to adhere to it. I'm going to tell you, newcomer, there may be a lot of things about this church that you don't understand. But but just look around you. There's some blessed people in this place. And it's because they have adhered to the Word of God. Amen. And you, by adhering to the Word of God, can also be blessed. And your life also be fruitful. And your life also be productive. And be complete by adhering to the Word of God. And I can't promise you, sir or ma'am, that you're not going to hear things from this pulpit that are going to challenge you, that are going to come down your row, as we like to say, that's going to plow up your field, that is going to, as some people say, step on your toes. I can't promise. We wouldn't be doing the will of God if that didn't happen from time to time. And I, I say that it should happen sparingly. It shouldn't be an overnight occurrence. I don't come with gritting my teeth every night I come to church. You wouldn't want a pastor like that, and I'll just be frank with you, I wouldn't want a pastor like that. Hey, I'm a nice guy. Well, I thought I'd get some more amens on that. I'm kind of hurt. But nice guy or not nice guy, i got to be obedient to God. Amen. I think I should be a nice guy. But above all, i got to be obedient to God. Amen. I'm not your man. I'm God's man. I said i got to be God's man. And that's what you want me to be is God's man. Because he wasn't willing to adhere, he was rejected. I'm winding up. Isaiah chapter number 30. I want you to notice this in verse 21. And thine ears shall hear a word behind thee, saying, This is the way. Walk ye in it. When you turn to the right hand, and when you turn to the left, this is the way. Walk ye in it. I heard a voice. I've always thought about that verse and said, what? I'm always looking for a voice before me. I'm always thinking, God, if you're leading me, you're going to be out in front of me. But this is using a shepherding term because shepherds in that culture walked behind because there were always weaker sheep and faltering sheep and ewes and, and older sheep that was not able to, to make it so they walked behind, but they guided. They guided. They'd get over here and say, come on now, let's, let's go back a little bit to the right. Let's, let's, let's get back over here. Let's go this direction. And, and a voice behind is that settling voice and that 
peaceful voice of the shepherd guides them through the treachery of the wilderness and from one green pasture to the next and to still waters and places to drink and be refreshed. It was a voice behind. Sometimes it's a voice you can't see. It's a voice that you have to have faith in that you cannot see. And and you just have to say, God, I'm relying on you even though I can't say because behind me is where I'm most vulnerable. That's where attack comes from. And I need a shepherd between me and uh, that that vulnerability. I need I need a shepherd between me and that place where I can be attacked. Uh, I need a rear guard, if you please. Uh, I need somebody walking behind me. That's why the Bible says, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Uh, that's why when the children of Israel went through the Red Sea, that the Lord went in behind them and guarded them and protected them. There's a voice that will speak to you, and it may come from an unexpected place, but be willing to hear it even when you don't understand it, even when you can't see it. Say, God, I have faith in you, and I recognize that voice. Because he said, my sheep know my voice, and a stranger they will not follow. If you can hear the voice of the Lord and recognize it as the voice of the Lord, it doesn't matter if it comes from a strange place or a strange method or a strange way or if that's the way that it's happened for you before, if you recognize it to be the voice of the Lord. We need to have ears that can hear and discern this is of God. Matter of fact, if there's anything you pray for, you better pray for discernment in this world. There's a lot of things that look almost right. There's a lot of things that are so close, but they're fool's gold. There's so many things that got the right appeal and the right glitter, and they're attractive. That doesn't mean it's right, because the devil is a master at substituting, a master at trying to get something that is inauthentic to look real, a copy, a fake. You know, they, back years ago, they used to have these Rolex watches that, that were, you could buy them in New York City for about 25 bucks. The real ones, you know, could be upwards of 25,000. But you could buy a fake for less than 50. And they got so good at it that they really had to, had to crack down on it because it took a, a, a trained watchmaker or jeweler to tear that thing down and look on the inside. And only by looking at the mechanisms on the inside was they able to authenticate it. And even to this day, because of so many fakes, there's certain things like this that have to be authenticated and sent off for authentication to make sure that it's real. It'd be nothing worse than spending a bunch of money on something that is not real and something that is a fake. I'm going to tell you, there's a lot of things on the outside that can seem right and appealing. Oh, but over time, the out, the, the, the inside is revealed. It may look 
look good on the outside and appealing and attractive and have the right shine and have the right label on it. But I'm just telling you, it takes time to sometimes reveal what's on the inside. I want my motives to be right. I want my spirit to be right. I pray every day, God, if there's anything that's not authentic about me and genuine about me, God, root it out. I want to be saved. I want to be right before you. I want to truly be a Christian. Bible said they were called Christians first at Antioch. Christians first. Oh, if we could get that attitude that I want to be a Christian first above everything else before I'm a man of God, before I'm a prophet, before I'm a singer, before I'm a musician, before I'm whatever in the church. I got to be a Christian. I'm going to tell you, only being a Christian qualifies you for the rest. It's only through being a Christian that you can ever be used of God to do the rest. Amen. It doesn't matter what you what you are on the outside. If you're not a Christian on the inside, it's not right. And it's going to come up. And it's going to leave somebody feeling hollow and empty in the end. God, help us to be right. And then lastly, as the musicians come and you stand with me. The voice of the Lord, first of all, is to be anticipated. Second, it's to be obeyed. But also the voice of the Lord is to be proclaimed. I want you to notice that when the Lord spoke to him, it was for a purpose. And when he rose the next morning, went back to Eli, Eli said, I want you to tell me. Please, well, I'll read it here. He didn't want him to leave any of it out. He said, I want, you to, I want you to show me and I want you to tell me exactly what it is that the Lord spoke to you. Then Eli called Samuel and said, Samuel, my son, and he answered, here am I. He said, what is the thing that the Lord has said unto thee? I pray thee, hide it not from me. God do so to thee and more also if I hide anything from me of all the things that he has said unto thee. You got to tell it, Samuel. Samuel told him every whit and hid nothing from him and said, It is the Lord. Let him do what seemeth him good. And Samuel grew and the Lord was with him. And did let none of his words fall to the ground. You're going to be a proclaimer, Samuel. God's going to drop things in your heart that you're going to proclaim. And then in verse 21, And the Lord appeared again in Shiloh, and the Lord revealed himself to Samuel in Shiloh by the word. In other words, this was a continual thing that was happening now. God was he was speaking to God God was speaking to him and he was speaking to the people I'm going to tell you what I receive from this is that we can't damn up the blessings of God and the things that God pours into us if God makes an investment in us it's for a reason if God gives us resources it's for a reason if God blesses us with a gift. It's not so we can use it in the world. It's a shame that so many apostolic Pentecostal musicians and singers listen to the siren song of the world and go out in the world 
and use the talents that God gave them to sing the world songs and entertain in the world and to, to make the money of the world when God gave them that gift to use for his kingdom. If you want God to continue to speak to you, you got to continue to give back to the kingdom of God. If you want God to continue the cycle of blessing in your life, you got to be willing to God, you poured it into me. I want to give it back. I want to give it back. You gave. God, I want to give it back. You gave me this voice. I want to give it back. God, you spoke to me these things. It's not just for me. It's for me to proclaim it. You shared with me this revelation of truth. God, and I'm asking you to help me to share it with somebody else so that their soul can be saved, so that they can be reached for the glory of God. I wonder if there's somebody that grasps what I'm trying to say right now. You hear the voice of the Lord. You want to be obedient to the voice of the Lord, but the final thing is you've got to be willing to go and do what the voice of the Lord is saying do, not just in your own personal life, but in the kingdom of God. Move it into action and let it work through you and let God help you to help somebody else because there's a lot of people that we could take and shoulder up with and say, come on, I believe you can make it. I believe you and I together, we can do this and we can have revival together. I wonder if you wouldn't step out right now and make your way to the soldier and say, God, I want you to use me. It's a verse of scripture in Isaiah chapter number six that comes to mind. I want to read it to you. Isaiah chapter number six. This was after Uzziah died. And he saw the throne room of God. Isaiah went to a place that only other person that writes about this place is John the Revelator. And then said, I woe is me, for I'm undone, because I'm a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For mine eyes has seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then flew one of the seraphims unto me, having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with the tongs from off the altar. And he laid it upon my mouth and said, Lo, this hath touched my lips. Thine iniquity is taken away. Thy sin is purged. And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? Then said I, Here am I. Send me. Is there anybody that that's your prayer? That once the Lord has touched you and spoken to you, that you say, God, here am I. Use me. God, I want you to continue to, to speak to me. And I want you to continue to deal with me. But God, I also want to be a conduit that lets your spirit flow out of me to somebody else. If that's your desire. Why don't you raise your hands to him right now?